Welcome to the Kiwi Advisor Network podcast. I'm the host, Warwick Slow, and today we're joined by Sam Cody. Sam runs the business Smart Advisor. They cover all different types of advice, and they really set their clients up for financial success. We touched on some really good points. I think Sam, uh, he admits that he knows his strong uh, points. He knows that he's a great advisor, but some of the other things like marketing or compliance, he's made the decision to outsource it. Hearing about his journey to New Zealand and moving from a moving from private lending, um, helping clients with investments into running his own business. It's a great journey, a great story. I think you'll really enjoy it. So sit back and relax, or if you're out there running, uh, keep jogging and don't relax, keep pushing. Enjoy. Sam Cody, so good of you to join us today. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, well, we've had a lot of uh, contact over the years now, and um, I feel like it was the right time to, to bring you in because you know, you've, you've built up a great brand and business and you've just made a bit of a transition from having your business set as Sam Cody, which is your name, and you've moved to Smart Advisor. Maybe if we go back even further before you got to that point, how did you, how did you, even, I mean, you migrated to New Zealand. What was your journey coming into the country and how did you find those early days setting up your business and getting started? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a long story. Um, yeah, no, I come from Sri Lanka, come from a very uh, normal family. I worked hard to wherever I, where I might be uh, and worked for private banking in Sri Lanka, part of um, Deutsche Private Banking. Uh, so coming from private banking background uh, to New Zealand and working in New Zealand banks and financial institutions, uh, I felt a little bit of a, a product sale uh, scenario which is going in the, in the country. So I thought uh, I, it, it was always behind my uh, mind that there should be some holistic approach need to be taken here. Uh, so that is, that is the only reason which I started my business. Oh, great. So you're with Deutsche Bank in um, Sri Lanka. You made the move. And did you join a bank in New Zealand or did you just jump straight into having your Yeah, no, I, I work for two banks uh, in New Zealand, two, two big names, Westpac and ASB. Great. Um, and I left ASB in 2011 at the highest uh, place uh, an advisor can be. Uh, and set up on my own because I just wanted to make sure that I deliver that holistic approach to my clients. And then, uh, I mean, as, as usual, you start a business, you start from scratch. Uh, I developed my six elements of planning model, which I practice every day, uh, over my kitchen bench. Uh, so it was, it was hard yards to start that. Um, and also, uh, when the, when the model started, I also employed a customer-centric strategist. So everything we do from day one to now is centered around clients. So the approach is clients, the way we work with clients, because we want long-term clients with us. So that's, that's how it started. You don't want it transactional, right? You want to build these relationships. Yes, we want, we want long-term propositions. We want clients to give us referrals. We, we are not call-calling people at all. Um, so it's about... It's about client looking at the journey A to Z of client's life, and we look after most of the things inside our business. And that customer service approach is so crucial. You know, so many people, they, just, they can get so busy that um, a lot of the time, the end clients aren't getting a good outcome, getting a good result. How do you keep those customer service levels up? That's, that's probably the very reason we decided to rebrand as well, uh, because uh, at the moment, we offer more than Sam Cody. Uh, because st starting as a Sam Cody is establishing yourself into the industry, learning about the industry, regulations and everything. Uh, we have, I have grown up uh, to be more than Sam Cody. So we have, a, we have a team of people 
the way we look after is that uh, under my strategy, there will be there, there are some specialists who look after mortgages, who look after insurances, uh, and kind of product specialists. And then we have a team of uh, customer relationship officers with some extended hours uh, and going through the weekend as well. Um, so what we do is that uh, there are there are actually nine people in the in the in the company oh. now. Uh, so that is that itself says that we do more than sand coding. So that is the very reason Smart Advice came into the market, and we we look after clients so much, and we we have a lot of touch points for for a client. I mean, probably a year we have about thirty to forty touch points for a single client. Wow! Yeah. And you say that your team are working on the weekends as well. Yeah, we have two shifts of customer relationship officers working. One one work from. 8.30 to 5, and the other starts 4.30 to 8.30 in the night and on Saturday as well. Because most of my clients want flexibility, and yeah, right. we are geared for that. That's, uh, yeah, I'd say a lot of advisors, you know, they, they're still doing that weekend work, and maybe if they're stuck by themselves, they have to draw the line because, you know, you need some time off. Absolutely. I mean, mo- most of the weekends, I, I, I take few meetings during the weekend, but most of the stuff is done by the relationship officers so it will be ready for me for the week great and how did you get the team in i know that a lot of advisors they struggle to to hire good staff who would be as committed to work on the weekends like how do you get them behind you tell me i struggle still <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean uh, as as many know it's a, building a business is building a team right it's a, it's probably the hardest thing which i have ever faced uh, because um, you you need to get people falling into your own culture, your own to your own pace, and also people who have that long term vision and plan which resonates with you. It's very hard to find them, uh, and and the 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 realization which I have made is that you it's very hard to find. When you find them, you need to retain. But if you find people who are not into that level, you need to let them go and also have that people working for you to understand who you are. So, I mean, there are there have there been ups and downs in my business as well. People come, people leave. But yeah, we, we, are, we are fortunate that we have a good team of people now. Yeah, any interaction I've had with them has always been pretty positive. And, you know, how do you instill any training when it comes to that customer service level? Because it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Do you do, you do a training or onboarding to get them up to standard? I'm lucky because uh, six years ago when I started the business, I employed this uh, customer strategist uh, to the business, uh, employed in sense contractor. So this, this person developed my five-year plan, which I followed strictly. How do we deal with clients? What touch points we make and stuff like that. And last December, I made the choice of inviting that person to be part of the team. So she is part of uh, the group strategy now. So she's, she's employed, so she looks after everything. So it works on a simultaneous way. And also, she looks after all the staff now, and she she works with the staff to generate the process, the touch points, how to deal with clients. Everything is looked after, so that I don't need to get involved. And and part of building a team is also, I mean, that is also part of the rebranding and everything. When you outgrow, there's there's a limited knowledge which you have. Mm-hmm. There should be specialists who are doing various kind of things for you. So that is what I'm practicing. I have specialists in the business who does who does various things. And I trust them and I let them do their job. Great. And you've got a five-year plan. I know, you know, say for instance, COVID comes into the mix. How do you reevaluate that five-year plan when you have 
you know, macro issues like COVID um, maybe affecting your business? So we were, we were within that five-year plan when COVID happened. Nothing, nothing impacted us. Uh, the staff was, I mean, we had the contingency plan. We had the contingency plan to put staff at home. They worked well. Uh, and business was as usual, and there was zero impact in my business and zero turnover from clients as well. So which is pretty good. So that that shows us the the process of advising clients, which we adopt with uh, the the model which we work with client is building resilience. Uh, it's not about transactions. It's not about doing a deal. Uh, it's about building uh, the client resilience uh, for the finance. So that is part of uh, what we practice, and that was the main reason that we didn't have any impact in the business. I mean, we are, we are lucky. And let's say. A- a client comes to you and you can tell that they're looking for more of that transactional relationship. How do you educate them or bring them on side so that it becomes more of a, a, a two-way relationship rather than, you know, customer uh, provider or service provider? I think it's the, I mean, we, we emphasize quite a lot on the first meeting, what we do. Uh, and there, are, there were certain instances where clients comes to us for rates or a better deal. And pretty much I, I tell them we are not that people. We are not. We are not into deals. We are not into uh, a special rate or whatever. Because what happens is that if you, I mean, with my experience over the years, what I realize is if you even do a transaction like that, they are not sticky clients. The model which we have is not that. We, the model which you have is sticky clients going through a journey with us uh, through their financial life. So. Uh, when people come like that, we, we educate them up front. This is what who we are. We, we are not traditional uh, people who do, do this transaction or filling forms. Uh, my first meeting runs about an hour without even a paper. Uh, so what, what does that mean is that client will really understand whether that person suits me. And my, my way of doing things and also the way I advise my juniors, advisors as well, as long as client need to select you as the advisor, you need to select your client as well. Uh, it is about having that first meeting to make sure that you are in the same page and you can work as a team. I always tell my clients, we are working as a team. So, so true. So yeah. if mm. that, when that happens, those transaction-oriented clients will fade away. Uh, probably that's not what we are focused on. Yeah, and uh, I mean, such a good point. You know, when people come in, it's a lot of the time they treat you as just, hey, what are you going to do for me when really it should be like a two-way relationship? Absolutely. And most of my clients for, after first meeting keeps telling me that we didn't discuss any financials, financial Sam. We just discuss life. That, yeah. That's all we do. Um, so it's, it's, about, it's about when you buy a house, when you do insurance or whatever the product which you work with or a holistic approach, it's about life. It's about making sure that you have this next step covered. Um, so that's what we do. You're showing them the bigger picture because they're going, I want a house. It's like, okay, why do you want a house? Why do you need insurance? And especially, I mean, every client who comes to us, even for a mortgage, we do full analysis of their cash flow. Uh, before, before house purchase, post house purchase. I want to make sure the client buys a house and lives happily. And I don't want anybody to buy a house and count money every night. Mm. So that is the concept which I'm building. Uh, so that people will be happy of what what they're doing. And then they, they will be comfortable to come to us for their next needs as well. Now, I want to talk about how you've transitioned the name of the business away from Sam Cody to Smart Advisor, because you've built up this great brand. People know who you are. They're like, I want to deal with Sam Cody. 
where was the decision making? Like what happened? How did you decide to change the name and branding? Um, there's so much you can do as Sam Cody, right? So, I mean, you have you have 40 hours, although I work about 80 hours. Um, uh, it's ridiculous number of hours which I work, but that's the way you, you build a business, right? So if you want to work 40 hours, you go and do a job. So, but I have been working last six years, probably lot lot more hours going into the business so that I can build a business. But I have realized that there's so much you can do as just Sam Cody. That's why I first uh, started building this uh, backup system where I have specialists and where I have customer relations team. So those teams are settled now. So what now uh, happened is that now I'm in a position to scale my business, right? So establishing and then scaling. So when, when you start scaling, uh, what can Sam Cody do? I mean, what, I mean, there's so much of people who are wanting more of Sam Cody's. So it's my duty to build some Sam Cody's behind me. So that is the reason we uh, transition from Sam Cody to Smart Advisor, so that we can employ more people. So we are, we are in the hunt of some good advisors who can work with us for long term. And you've, you've established that business now. Did, did you get to a point where you're like, I feel comfortable, now's the right time? Or was it a little bit of jumping into the unknown when you kind of made that next move? It is jumping into the unknown. I'm still sometimes uncomfortable to let things go, but I have realized over a period of time, at this point of time, that I need to do that. And that is the reason I employed this strategist as well. So I don't take most of the decisions now. I do what I know very well, which is advising clients. So I just just advise clients. She takes control of uh, all the structures, recruiting people. Everything is done by her. Okay, so the strategist that you met, how did, how did that relationship start? That, that's the strategist which I told you that I contracted six years ago. Yeah. So she did the first five years. And then we, uh, I mean, when, when we started doing the first five years, she went to my clients at that point and interviewed and we found the pain points and we built the business according to that. So after five years, we... Uh, we reflected the five years to see whether we did everything right. So we probably did about 80% right, Okay. So which is good. And the business came to the level which we planned, so which is good. And then uh, it's then we decided, okay, let's do the next five years. So the next five years is the phase of Smart Advisor now. And what advice would you have for uh, people who were like you a few years ago, trying to do everything within the business? How did you find that strategist? Did you just Google it? Did you meet it, meet it through a networking event? How could you how could you introduce uh, people to the right the right strategists? See, basically, I'm a person who's very inquisitive, right? And also, I want um, I I want to try out new things when, when I see. I'm probably I'm with Can today is also for the same reason, right? Long time ago, I wanted to try things out, and we met each other so that we we are with you guys. So same way, I met this person through I think uh, there was a uh, there was a digital marketing company which I used before and she was working for them uh, and I, I realized her her power of uh, dealing with uh, things and she left that company but she comes from a HR and a legal background and also teaching background so I thought that's ideal for for us because when you're looking at a customer centric business and you want to look after clients these things matters a lot teaching so teaching legal HR so what can I ask more so she was the ideal choice. And I went and told, why not you join? Because at the end of the day, uh, if you look at the economic factors of contracting versus employment as well, I have a lo lot of value in her. So uh, it's, it's, it's about the putting the right structure. And she was ideal for me uh, 
and also the few people whom around in the business uh, at the moment who are specialists in their own fields. Uh, because my specialty is only one thing, but to run a business or a practice, there are so many specialist areas which you need to look at, marketing, uh, collateral, uh, HR, finance. So I have a team of people who are specialists in each area who looks after things for me, so which is good. You've got to get to that point. I know there's so many advisors, they're running a single single advisor business, they might have like one support staff member. It must be so full on. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did the same thing. But uh, but the thing is, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm a bit crazy. I, I work about three people's work at the same yeah, time. Eight hours a week. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and also and also when you do full a full plan, you do insurance, mortgages, give you save a retirement planning, investment planning, everything. So one client is so much of things to do. Um, so unless you have a team of people, it's, it's not scalable at all. You will not have a life uh, at all if, if you do it yourself. So that's, that's the reason I always build this team. And I had that vision because I can't, I, I want to have, I, I, I'm a family man. I want to look after the family as well. So it, you need to have people, trusted people working for you, giving you enough support. And how did you, so you started at the bank. Were you doing insurance or you know investments there or did you start doing that part of advice when you started your own advice business? So when I was overseas, I was part of Deutsche Private Banking uh, based, uh, reporting to Singapore based in Sri Lanka. Um, so that is, private banking internationally is totally different. You don't talk about products, you just build relationships, you move around with clients or various things. But when I came to New Zealand, I was uh, uh, concentrating on investments only. Uh, so I did, I, I was an AFA before. Uh, so I, Westpac and ASB, I was really private banking investment advisor. So I was looking after surplus money for clients, long-term planning. Uh, and then when I left ASB, um, I decided to, I went for another company and then started looking at investments. And then they, the, that company was doing mortgages and insurances as well. And I was thinking, why not? Because it's the same advice. Because when you look after the client, when you know the client, uh, it's about giving a solution rather than a product. So why not look into those things? So then I got qualified in those areas as well and then started doing everything one house. Yeah, when you're looking at the bigger picture at the end, it becomes less about the products and more about just you know facilitating their goals. Absolutely, because what, what I've realized uh, over the years working in New Zealand, coming from private banking background, is that if you look at a mom and dad, those, those, that couple has about seven to eight advisors behind them. I'm not telling anything wrong here, but those advisors do the job right. But my challenge for that mom and dad is when is the last time all these eight people sat on a room and talk about your long-term plans or your retirement? They do their job, but it's not integrated. But when you integrate things, there's a lot you can do. They save a lot of money. And how was that first year for you when you started the business out? What were some of the, the main lessons that you learned? Oh my God, so many. Um, I mean, to be honest, for me, starting from scratch without clients, uh, it, you can imagine <laughs> where it is, right? So it probably took about three years for me to put my head up. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, it, it, it was hard to uh, start thing. And also, I probably wasted a lot of money uh, on the way as well, because I'm, a, I'm very impatient. I, when I see something for the client, uh, or uh, when I see a need for the client, I jump and do it because uh, I just want to look after the client rather than anything else. So I burned a lot of money doing various things, moving on to CRMs, uh, 
doing various marketing activities, Facebook marketing, LinkedIn marketing. People made a lot of money out of me over the years. Um, so starting a business without knowing uh, the exact things behind it is pretty hard. But I learned the hard way. Uh, now, I mean, there are a few people of my clients who want to start business. I can, I can give some personal experiences uh, so that they can mitigate all this cost and go in a correct path, which is which is brilliant. How do you focus on the right stuff? Because you're right, there's a lot of things floating around. Like, oh, I should try this, you know, but LinkedIn advertising costs a lot of money. You know, I need to trial a new CRM system. All these extra things, they all start to add up. How did you just eventually cut through the fat? Was it time or was it just talking to other people? I was, I was self-centered, to be honest. So that was my mistake, right? Uh, so I was doing everything which I think which is right. And I was never asking anybody. And I, I burned a lot of money and time on that. Uh, so then uh, I have few people now whom I uh, I keep them to say no. So I, so those people have told me, you can't do anything until we you ask us. So like, like, like a team of, like a board sort of thing. It's not an official board as such. But uh, I, I selected these people just to say no when I tell something. So first, first... <laughs> First answer when I give an idea, no. So that is what the answer is. Okay. So I step back. <laughs> and then I, I, then I tell them, okay, if it is no, prove me it's a no. So then I don't make the decision, they make the decision collectively. So that stopped a lot of things which I was wasting. So first thing is no. So anything I tell is no. Yeah. Sit down to dinner. I'm going to order the uh, steak. No. Why not? Because it, it, <laughs> it gives me a shock and I wanted that. Mm. That gave me a lot of control. You need it as a solo business. Absolutely, that owner. probably that would be the mm. my advice for any solo business because you just don't know what the outcome is because you are so emotional, and you are and any solo business is all about vision, right? So if if somebody has want to build a business, it's about vision. There's so many uh, unplanned uh, obstacles which is coming through their journey. So if you have a vision, you just go there, right? Um, so when you're going in the vision and if you have that right frame of mind, you only see the good things. You don't see the bad things here. That's what happened to me. But that bad things can drag you a lot. But if you can mit mitigate certain things in that bad things, you are going faster. So this second five years for me is all about no with these people is to mitigate and probably control me. Because sometimes you can get that bias. You know, when you, when you feel emotional about something, you're like, I really want to do this. Sometimes just thinking about, oh, there might be a little part that you're a bit unsure about. And you're like, oh, don't worry about it for later. And then sure enough, six months down the line, you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. But Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can, it can really hamper your long-term plans also because you just take emotional decisions and quick decisions, which is not in your long-term at all. So I, I, I did that in that five-year plan. And when, when this person's uh, strategies came and checked, these were not in the plan. Why did you do this, 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 this? And now I see I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Like higher level thinking and bigger picture analysis can be so crucial. Very crucial. It's so emotional roller coaster, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's your business. You know, you've built it up from the ground up. Like, how can you not be emotional about it, you know? And also you, you, you feel that, okay, I'm, I'm the boss, so I can do anything. But... I mean, you don't have expertise on all the areas in your, I mean, you don't have a control. So you need to have some specialists. Yeah, I know even even with our business as well, like, you know, we've, we've now at that point where you can have specialists in certain roles, but not that I'm a specialist in anything, but um, 
helping out just doing little things like helping out the invoicing. It means that, you know, passing that off means I can do my job more effectively. Is the, where do you see the next step going? Like, is there any parts you'd like to maybe outsource? Or do you feel like you're already running at a pretty, uh, in a well-oiled machine at the moment? No, we have, even now we have a lot of areas which have outsourced, uh, like marketing, uh, uh, marketing, uh, there are a few things which we have outsourced already, um, so it works well. But I mean, it doesn't mean that. I mean, we what what we practice is that we constantly review everything, uh, so that gives us um, uh, a feedback of whether the outsourcing what we do is working. Uh, yeah. So basically, I mean, with, since I have a team of nine at the moment, there's there's nothing much to be outsourced. It's about leveraging now and getting new advisors and helping them out to do what they, whatever they want under the uh, under our FAP uh, guidelines okay. or what we want to do in future. And how do you mentor those new advisors or the, the advisors in your business? I, f- I find that part really hard when you just need to, you know you can be really effective helping the company one way, but then on the other hand, long-term it's going to be better if you train up people who are within your team. How do you balance that time? Um, no, we, we, have, uh, we have built a lot of processes. Uh, we, uh, I mean, there are a few people in the business who are resp- given the responsibility are very, very process oriented. Uh, so we have manuals, we have uh, process uh, like uh, videos and everything which is created for, for the advisors to make use of it and do some self-learning. And also I have few people uh, like very senior advisors who have left the industry uh, for various reasons recently. Uh, who are behind me, who are who were mentor, mentor, men, mentoring for me also, uh, giving uh, some time for the new advisors to... Uh, uh, I met someone yesterday, actually, I, and that guy asked me, okay, what do you expect me to do? I said, I don't want you to talk about any products for my advisors. I just want you to take them out for a coffee and have a chat about life of an advisor. What went right, what went wrong, what gives simple tips, once in fortnightly sort of thing. So those kind of um, extra little things which I want to start building into the network. And it's working well. And also, um, uh, some, I mean, some of the stuff which I mentioned b- before coming from HR uh, teaching background, so which, which can be handy for the new advisors. And those uh, experienced advisors who have exited the industry, how did you build the relationship to get them to come into your business? Uh, they, 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 they were my colleagues at one stage, and they know how... Um, how much work ethic I have with, with when I do things. Uh, so they, they, they like the way I work, although they are not geared to work in that pace. Uh, so so they, they always balanced me and they gave me some ideas, experiences as well. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a mutual uh, understanding that uh, uh, when I requested them, okay, can you do this? They will do it. I think that's the, the one part that the industry needs to improve on. It's just sharing that collective knowledge between experience and you. So, so many advisors have a lot to share. And you know, in this podcast, it's sort of what we're trying to achieve. You know, are there any, are there any big lessons that maybe one of those advisors have taught you or you, you'd like to teach some new advisors? No, actually what I realized is a lot of people in this mentoring process is about probably having a manual or having a lecture sort of thing. It, for me, uh, learning the product is easy. And even the product providers, even look at insurance companies, they have these exams and this and that. So pe- advisors will learn the product. But it's the, 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 the 
area which they are lacking or getting into trouble is the practice, day-to-day practice. So that is why I chose these people to come and talk to them about life of an advisor. Uh, how do you mitigate things? I mean, next week we might talk about income protection. So with regard to income protection, how do you how do you talk to clients on income protection? What are the what are the things which you need to look after? ACC, those kind of things. It's not about product. It's about the practical side of it. Uh, what can what can happen? What can we mitigate? These are the claims which happened in my time, sort of thing. So just having that um, casual uh, discussions can help advisors quite a lot. Having those stories, I, that always yeah. resonates so well when you're chatting with a client. And also that comes from a very senior advisor. So they, they respect that and they learn it. And, and the few people whom I have found are very uh, casual and also uh, very friendly people, So which will work well. Yeah, good for the team. Because if you can say to a client, the reason why you need income protection is because, you know, I've had a client before who XYZ happened, they got the payout. It's so much more compelling than just saying you need this because of X reason. And I mean, we advisors, we try to do all these things uh, to the clients. But uh, it is also important to do that into your team of people, including the back office people who are processing because they need to understand what they're doing. So my my business, we are trying to... um, get every staff member to understand what they are doing. They are not following instructions. I don't want them to be following a booklet or a script or anything like that. They need to know what they are, what they are doing. If they are making a call to the client, they need to know why they are making that call and what impact that has to the business and to the client. So it's about understanding your job properly. Yeah, understand the industry and, you know, it's so so true, picking up the phone. What is the end outcome of this conversation going to be? Yeah. How are we going to get there? Absolutely. Then then they will work with passion rather than just doing a job. And do you hire previous uh, people with previous industry experience or are they um, new to industry with the right attitude? Uh, uh, for the new advisors? Yeah. Uh, it's a mix of people. And um, I mean, as long as they fall into our culture, that's all what we are looking for. And and, and I don't want, to, want people to come and go. I want people to build the business with us and work long term and uh, work as a family because I run a business where doors are open. There's no closed doors. We just have fun. So, right. And uh, just linking back to a podcast we recorded a while ago with Rupert Goff from the Mortgage Lab. And he said that seven was the, the, the kind of magic number when the staff start asking each other questions rather than just coming to you for everything. Do you find now, now that your team's nine people, do you find that they're starting to cross-pollinate ideas internally rather than coming directly to you? Absolutely. I think I think that was a good good comment which he made, actually. I was listening to that. Uh, no, I, I feel that, and sometimes you feel now, no, people are not coming to you. But that, that that's, that's <laughs> the way it is. But that, that's that's how you build a team, isn't it? And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not the... I'm not a good manager anyway of people management. That's why I employed people to manage people who are who are good in what they are doing. I'm I'm a good advisor, which I know, and I'm good for clients. I'm not good for, uh, I mean, managing people. So, but I'm out. So I I'm out of um, I I I own the business. That's a different thing, but in a in a different capacity. So I don't want I don't want in my practice. I don't want to be the person who's dictating things, uh, so that. People can be very free, and 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 getting things sorted out themselves. And each one has their own own strengths. And if they want my strengths to come in, they will come and ask me. 
And they're going to learn better that way as well. And also, I'm, I'm running a small business. I need to keep the business going as well. So if I stop, um, uh, that, that will be impact to the business. So I will keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with my clients. And I just want to do that because I have a lot of time for my clients. Yeah, I guess like the way you structure your advice process, like you need to have that. So how the, the team's grown to nine now. How have you kept that culture uh, con, uh, I guess consistent throughout so that everybody buys into that ethos that they're all part of the smart advisor brand. Are there any tips or, you know, uh, group activities? Uh, to be can... honest, um, I mean, we are still new to that because uh, we, the, the transition happened only, only a month. So we, we are just testing the waters at the moment. Uh, but I don't think there's a major impact in what we do because um, just because the brand changed, the way we are working and the work which is involved is the same. So probably uh, uh, I don't think there's major problem or change there because we are very friendly. Uh, we want to have fun, but work ethic should be very high because I mean I work hard. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean <laughs> Lead from the front. Yeah. So I'm uh, uh, yeah. Obviously I'm leading from the front. They just need to follow and support me and do their own thing. So I don't think there will be an issue in transitioning. There's nothing to be transitioned. Probably people come and learn the culture and then fit into it. And you've, I know you said before, you've been building out five-year plans. The industry has changed a lot in the last five years. Do you, for your next five years, have you, do you have an idea of where you, where you think the industry will be going? Um, it's changing rapidly, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> too quickly. I mean it's too much, of, um, too much of work for the advisors to do a lot of paperwork, the it's not about the client work. It's 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 as a as a fab as a company. There's so many things that you need to do, and it takes so much of time away. Uh, again, uh, uh, the way I think is, um, I mean, it's it's a challenge, but uh, when you have a team of people, again, uh, you can delegate things and uh, give responsibilities for each people, and also, uh, I mean, honestly, like uh, uh, compliance and stuff like that, which we use you guys to do the compliance. So th those kind of outsourcing is important going forward. Again, it's, it's, it's a, it, you have a limited time to do all what you do. Uh, so outsourcing is important. Uh, if you adapt to those um, uh, like resources which you have around you, I don't think see there's major challenges in that. But of course, advisors need to be aware of what they have to do and just follow the guidelines. Yeah, so I guess like your advice would be outsource where you're not a specialist and just stick to stick to what you know and just really absolutely really that's what it. i do I and mean, within within even the team i outsource internally so I, i'm not a specialist on that you just look after this sort of thing and if team doesn't have that capability of doing it we will outsource to you guys we will outsource to our oh, advertising okay. agents so it outsourcing is required and at the end of the day if otherwise you are just uh, just putting a little bit bit of plasters to the wound, right? You are not looking at the whole picture and uh, looking at the end game. So if you want to look at the end game, you need to outsource to the professionals and trust them to do their job. Of course, you monitor them, but trust the people whom around you. I think it's very much a, a Kiwi cultural thing where everybody tries to do everything DIY. It can be hard to let go. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's not only Kiwi. I'm a Sri Lankan, but I have that, that thing as well. I have to do everything. I need to put in my two cents to everything. So the, I have, that's why I have that team uh, who was challenging me. They keep telling me, no, you go away. 
you don't need to get involved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or what are you doing here? They don't even let me come to a meeting. But we, I have a process where I, I get the feedback. I, I, I know exactly what is happening in the business. But I just go and see. But they, they just chase me away. You are not supposed to be here. So I, I value that. I think a lot of people listening to this will be going, Far out, I've been doing too much. <laughs> just start outsourcing. Yeah, no, I think I think it is important to do that. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, you need to look at the capacity and do it as well. But one thing I realized is that doing that, I have a lot more time for for more more new business. A lot more time to even go and ask for a referral or do reviews because reviews is a big thing for us. Uh, we we sit with all the clients at least once a year. That's that's part of the relationship management team's uh, job. Uh, they have to book X amount of review meetings in my diary. Uh, so that is the discipline which we have created a long time ago. It's so valuable. Yeah, no, I, I, minimum three review meetings should be in my diary every week. So that is how it works. And how do you do the review meetings? Are they digital? Do they come into your office? You meet them for coffee? Uh, I mean, we have um, uh, we have segregated the. The, the, the clients the it depends depends on depends on clients requirements as well some people like to do it online so we do it online some people like to do, get a email update or that there's a lot of people I personally meet uh, and uh, I mean there are certain clients which I I mean we we do a lot of work and needs a lot of handheld guidance I sometimes meet every six months right oh, I mean that's exactly what, you know, the six-step advice process, number six is review, and there's so many advisors that because they're so busy doing everything else, like that does sometimes fall to the wayside, but, you know, the new legislation says you've got to be reviewing. So, And the amount of leads that you're getting through reviews is is amazing. I mean, I'm not hesitant to ask leads. I, every meeting I meet a client, every, every time I meet a client, I ask for a name. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I, I keep challenging myself because if I deliver... Give me a name, so so they give. And I think if you've if you've done the right thing by people, they want to support you and want to help you grow. Yeah, absolutely. It's about uh, I mean, if you if you passionately help a family, why not that family also help another family? So that's that's the that's the concept which I am building. So the, it works very well. I love it, Sam. Sam, it's been so good chatting with you today. I think a lot of people get value from hearing about that outsourcing. Uh, especially even reviews just then, you know, bringing new business in, just not being afraid to ask the question. So um, thanks so much for joining us today. It was great to chat. Thank and, you very uh, much. Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you. Cheers, man.